Thank you, worship team, for leading us in songs of worship. Uh, if you guys don't know who I am, I am Pastor Chen. Uh, I serve here. Hey, guys. Uh, I serve here as a youth pastor. It is a privilege to be a part uh, of our family and also a, a huge privilege to be able to share the Lord's word with us this morning. Uh, in our time we will, uh, today, we will be in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Uh, if you guys would like to open the uh, uh, to your passage there, if you guys don't have a Bible, you guys can grab one right in front of you, and it's on page 770, and that is where we'll be at. So a little bit about myself. Uh, when my wife and I, uh, we started serving in Detroit, uh, before we came here, uh, my wife and I, we served in Detroit, and as I started there, one of my hobbies to do was to go downtown and walk, just enjoy the city. Uh, and on my days off, which were Fridays, and my wife was still working, uh, I would walk throughout De- uh, Detroit uh, downtown, just discover new coffee shops, new mini stores, uh, whatever it was that was new that was happening downtown, I wanted to go explore. Again, I get a chance to meet the community, get, to, get a chance to meet the owners, just different people. Uh, I will find a coffee shop, uh, the, the many coffee shops are there, I'll find one, I'll find a corner, and I'll sit and I'll read. Uh, and one of my favorite places, uh, downtown Detroit, was this coffee shop where their storefront was this giant window. It was great, it was awesome. Uh, you were able to see the street, people walking, uh, and at this store, there were, there were these two doors, okay? Uh, one door was the fire emergency exit, and the other was the main entrance. Uh, so for me, my joy was being able to sit there and then after a while taking a break and just kind of doing some people watching. And one of my favorite things was to watch how many people use the wrong door. It was great. Uh, if you thought the 2016 NBA Finals was exciting, or if you thought like the Super Bowl 51 where Tom Brady came back and won against the Falcons, if you guys thought that was exciting, now this was pretty much on par. It was great. Like you were sitting there, you're just waiting, anticipating, and every once in a while when the people come in, they, they smile, you smile at them, and you're like, it's happened to me too. Uh, so... Um, so usually after I get my fill of entertainment and coffee, I would continue just walking around downtown Detroit. Uh, I would be able to meet more people. Uh, it was great, uh, awesome time being able to meet the uh, store leader, or the not store leaders, but store owners to business owners, uh, people just throughout the community uh, to hear their stories. And uh, every once in a while, you know, the Lord will open up an opportunity uh, for me to just simply pray with them, uh, and it was great. Uh, my, all that's to say is I'm a busybody. My wife often <laughs> reminds me that I can't sit still for more than 30 minutes. Uh, if I do, it's a miracle. So miracles do happen today. Uh, so I'm often always on the move, uh, always walking. And again, this action of walking is part of our lives, Right? See, for example, is that if we don't get up and go to work, we don't get paid, and we don't get the bills, and the lights goes off. If we don't get water when we are thirsty, we end up becoming dehydrated. If you don't get out of the way when there's a car that's heading your direction, you're probably going to get hit. No, you will get hit. Let's say that. 
Unless you're Kobe Bryant, and then you're able to jump over the car, but that's a different thing. So movement in itself is part of our lives. Like We would all agree that movement is part of our everyday lives, that we can't ignore it. As one pastor by the name of Anthony Carter, he's a pastor down in East Point, Georgia, he says this, To walk is a common metaphor for the Christian life. To walk with Jesus or to walk towards Jesus, this is a common phrase that you will hear within the church. So when we talk about walking or moving towards, there is also a pace that comes with it. By walking, when we read in Scripture, Jesus wanted to teach the disciples in this movement of walking who he was. That the disciples, they could trust him. And this was a foundational movement of their growth. To walk with Jesus. You see, the same thing, the same thing that happened back in the day with the disciples, it's the same thing with us today. We're called to walk with Jesus. And it's a foundational movement. And here's the thing about who Jesus is, is that he doesn't run ahead and he doesn't tell you to catch up. He walks with us as he walked with the disciples, patiently, compassionately, lovingly. The definition of a foundational movement And this is pertaining to what a foundational movement is when we talk about exercise, okay? So it says this, A foundational movement of an exercise program are the most basic movements you perform. But there are often parts of a more complex movements of exercises too. Learning how to do these basic movements correctly can help prevent injuries and and enable you to do more advanced movements as you get stronger. Brothers and sisters, church, if we desire to be a person or a people group who wants to be on mission for the Lord, who wants and has a desire to grow deeply in love with Jesus for the long haul, it is critical for us to have this foundational movement mastered, this foundational movement of walking with Jesus. In our time this morning, we're going to see these three, this foundational movement broken down into three steps. The first one is fighting fear with faith. Second, forming a foundation on God's word. And third, focusing on our faith in Jesus. So we will draw wisdom and insight from God's word this morning from the gospel according to Matthew. So again, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 33. Let's read this together. Matthew writes, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was long away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he, be, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. 
But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not fear, or do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Lord, as we dive into your word this morning, we come before you with empty hands and a ready heart to receive. We ask, Holy Spirit, would you do your work in us this morning? And I ask that in our time together in the word, that Jesus, you will be seen. We come before you and we ask these things. In your name, amen. So step one, fighting fear with faith. So this scene in the scripture starts with Jesus retreating after performing this amazing miracle of feeding 5,000 men. Now, fun fact is that this number of 5,000 doesn't actually capture everybody that was actually there. The men, the, the men uh, was recorded, but the women and the children weren't. In reality, the amount of people that Jesus fed was about 20,000 people. And this is a miracle here. If you guys are familiar with the show on the Food Network called Dinner Impossible, is that there's this guy who's charged with, hey, feed over 500 people. But you can plan, you can have all your resources and all those things. And he does a phenomenal job. It's always the crunch time. And then like, oh, he, he did it. But here's a miracle is that Jesus fed this group of 20,000 people with a young boy's lunch. Five loaves and two fishes. The Lord provided in a miraculous way that fed this crowd. And as we read the text is that they were actually leftovers as well. And after this miracle, he sends the disciples ahead. He dismisses the crowd that had, that had gathered there. And then he retreats to pray. He goes to the mountain and prays for hours. And then off in the distance, he sees. He sees the disciples in their boat. And they're just getting beat up by the waves and the wind. So he sees them. And then he walks away. And then he goes, like, figure out, no, that's not what we see in the text. He sees them and he walks towards them. He walks on the sea towards the boat. In verse 26, Matthew records that the disciples, they were terrified. Now, this wasn't like a jump scare. This wasn't like a, like a gasp or that. They were terrified, meaning they were screaming. They were afraid. You know, I wonder if this is at the first draft of Matthew's gospel. I wonder if Matthew wrote in there is that uh, we all ugly cried because we thought we were dead and we were going to die. You see, because not only were the conditions or the fear of the weather conditions were, were against them, but they see this figure, this dark figure, this shadowy figure off in the distance, and it's walking towards them. 
Now, granted, if it's somewhere else and it's walking a different direction, you're like, okay, cool. But it's walking towards them, towards the boats. And the only explanation that they had was this. It's a ghost. And I love how simple Matthew puts it here. Is that, again, remember, Matthew is a pretty detail-oriented guy. He was a tax collector. Details matter to him. But in this moment, he just simply said it was a ghost. There is no logical explanation why there will be someone that is walking in the middle of the sea towards our boat. So let's pause here for a second. Fear is real. It would be silly and foolish of us to think that fear doesn't exist. That is, uh, it's, a, it's simply just a constru- uh, concept that is out there and that we read and we're like, okay, cool, and we just adopt our life. No, fear is a real thing. And we've all experienced fear in some sort of way. I'm confident, I'm pretty sure that if we had a list that went throughout this whole room and we wrote, and every single one of us, we wrote at least just 10 different types of fears that we had. I'm pretty sure that, that as big as that roll of paper uh, could be, it's going to run out of space. And the thing about fear is this, is that fear eats away at our faith. And what do I mean by that is that a fear eats away our faith because it causes us to sin. So we're asking this question, how, how does fear cause us to sin? Well, for example, when we allow fear to dictate our actions, we say that we no longer trust that God is in control. We no longer trust in him because he's not answering our prayers or his, he's not acting accordingly to what we want him to do. Or when we say things out of fear. Because we do not think that the Lord will speak up for us. Or when we do things on our own accord because we do not think that the Lord will provide. You see, fear is real. And fear eats away at our faith. But there's a remedy to this. And it's found within Jesus' words in the next text, in the next verse, verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Now these are the words of comfort and confidence that the Lord gives to the disciples. And it's not just, uh, it doesn't just apply to them when they're on the boat or when we're on a boat somewhere. It applies to us today in every area of our lives. Do not be afraid. And this, the, these words are not just simply what he said for that context, but these words are actually echoed all throughout, all throughout Scripture. For example, we look all the way in the Old Testament, Abraham. Do not be afraid. Moses, do not be afraid. Joshua, do not be afraid. Mary, mother of Jesus, do not be afraid. The shepherds who are out in the field, do not be afraid. Being of Hmong heritage, and being uh, uh, having a Hmong heritage and culture, 
the fear of the spiritual realm to us is very real. A bit of my story, my, my dad's story, is that from a very young age, he was highly sensitive to spiritual things, spiritual activities. And from what my aunts and uncles uh, have shared with me, that one of the many things that my dad was not able to do and could not do was as simple as eating chicken. This fear uh, of eating chicken, just the smell and thought of it, would cause him to get sick and, 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 and deathly ill. So... One of our former pastors at my church growing up shared this. Is that when my dad gave his life to Christ, the first meal, it's funny how the Lord works, right? The, the first meal that my dad had was this rice congi dish with chicken. So again, this fear of upsetting this, the, the, these spirits that will make him sick is that it started to overcome him. And he was like, I can't eat that. I'd rather starve than upset the spirits. And uh, I remember what uh, my, our old pastor said is that, well, Jesus is more powerful than those spirits. You can eat these things. You don't need to be afraid because Jesus has blessed them. Jesus is greater Fast forward to when I was born, I am happy to say that I grew up enjoying chicken, fried chicken, roasted chicken, chicken noodle soup, anything that deals with chicken, I am a fan of. Brothers and sisters, if we desire to be a person or a people group who are on mission for the Lord and has a desire to grow in our love for him, we must master this step. We must combat fear by trusting that Jesus is stronger, that Jesus is greater, that Jesus is over any type of fear that you and I may have. We must fight fear with our faith in Jesus. We continue on. If we desire to be a person or people who are on mission and passionate about mission and passionate about our growth in the Lord, We must get this next step correct as well. Step two, forming a foundation on God's word. The text continues, verse 28. And Peter said, uh, Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you onto the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. So we see here at this moment, Peter Again, some context here is that if you're not familiar with the 12 disciples, is that Peter is often the one who is very zealous, who's the first one to do things. And we see that he musters up the courage and, re, and he, they hear this voice, this voice from the shadowy figure from afar that says, do not be afraid, take heart. And Peter musters up this courage. Well, Jesus, if it is you, tell me to do this and I will do it. It's almost as if Peter is saying, prove me wrong or prove me right. The only person who I am really going to trust in this circumstance is Jesus. So if it is truly you, Jesus, then tell me and I will go. So Jesus said, come. 
And Peter does. He steps out of the boat. Here's what I want us to see here. If we are desiring to form a firm foundation, it can only be done on God's word. Take this moment, for example. It was not anything that Peter has done. It was not that Peter paid Jesus in advance for, hey, I'm going to give you 20 bucks, and later on, you tell me to step out of the boat, and that'll be a great, awesome ride. It wasn't like going to Watermere and paying for a ticket or paying for a card and saying, okay, because I paid this, my gift or what I receive is a chance to go down a roller coaster. It wasn't an exchange. It wasn't based on anything that Peter gave. Or could give. And I hope you see how ridiculous right now this story sounds. Is that Peter stepping out of the boat in the middle of a windstorm. No right person in their mind logically. It doesn't make any logical sense to step out of the boat in this condition. If we were to take... Today, for example, I'm sure if we went to Lake Erie right now or to the peninsula and we look out onto the water, we look out onto the, the, the bay, I'm pretty sure we'll see that the water is shaking. The water is moving. And imagine if you're 300 to 500 yards out and you're on a boat, would, would it make sense for you to say, this is awesome. I love the Rocky River. It makes me want to step out of the boat. No person in their right mind would do so. But what made Peter do it? It was Jesus. And recall this, is that Peter has already seen some stuff that Jesus has done. If we're recounting just what is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, is that Peter has witnessed Jesus calming the storm. Peter just witnessed Jesus feeding 20,000 people. Peter witnessed the healing of two blind men. Jesus, or Peter witnessed the raising of a dead girl. And let's not forget this, is that Peter was also part of the miracle of the supernatural catch of, uh, catch of fish. You see, Peter has already heard and seen Jesus do amazing things. So he knew, if Jesus said, if it is the word of the Lord, it is enough. So when Peter steps out on the boat, it's not that he's standing on water. It's not that he's stepping out on water. He is standing on the word of the Lord. We hear many amazing stories. If you've been in the church or you grew up in the church, is that you hear these stories of these amazing people in ministry that God has used. But if we were to be honest, it was never really them who did it. You see, they were just simply ordinary people obeying the words of an extraordinary God. Those who have made the biggest impact, the greatest impact for the kingdom realized that all they needed was Jesus at their corner and they were good to go. 
They stood on the word of God and allowed Jesus to be their foundation. Church, in your walk with the Lord, if Jesus commands you to go, if he has already told you to go, is that enough? Are his words enough for you to build a foundation? Scripture tells us that it's enough. Scripture tells us that, yes, his word is our foundation. He is our solid rock. But in our broken world, the tendency is to say that it is not. If he asks you to step out of the boat, would that be enough? If we desire, brothers and sisters, if we desire to be a person or a people who are are passionate and on mission for the Lord and has a desire to grow in our love for him, we must master this step of forming a foundation on God's word and God's word alone. See, we are ordinary people with an extraordinary call. His words are enough to sustain us to go, to move forward. Let's continue on in our last step that we draw from this text. If we desire to be a person and a people who are passionate about mission and passionate about our growth in the Lord, we must also master this last step. Focusing on our faith in Jesus. Verse 30, but when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. The text is pretty clear here what happened. Peter saw the winds, and he began to sink, and and we don't know what Peter was thinking, but we do know that whatever happened, Peter's eyes was not focused on the Lord. It was focused elsewhere. It was as if the foundation of which he was walking on started to deteriorate under him. He saw the winds. He saw the condition of the sea. And he probably thought, no way am I going to be able to make it to where Jesus is at. Anthony Carter says this, It is possible that when he, Peter, took his eyes off of Jesus... Peter began to get convinced that what Christ had called him to do was impossible for him to do. Church, have you found yourself in a similar place to this? Where you know that Jesus has called you or has called you to do something. He has already given you his promise, his word. But you look at the logistics. And you simply say, this is impossible. Again, I, please, please, please do not hear what I'm not saying. Is that I'm not against organized planning. I, I, there's wisdom in that. There is wisdom in planning and, and, and thinking ahead. But if we were to be honest as well, is that in our walk with the Lord, there will be times that we clearly sense that the Lord is telling us leading us to do something that just doesn't always seem to fit our understanding. 
then it is at those moments that we are called, we are reminded to focus on Jesus and to focus that he is in control, that he and trust that his spirit is moving, trust that Jesus is in control, trust that his hand is at work. Jesus, this call to focus on him. So who's at the center of this focus? It's Jesus himself, the one who commands the winds and seas. The one who heals many. The one who speaks and life is restored. Jesus is the one who we are called to put our focus on. Church, brothers and sisters, if we desire to be a person or a people who wants to be passionate about mission and passionate in our growth with the Lord, it is critical for us to master these steps. A concluding thought. In verse 31, at the end of this section, Jesus, it says this, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When we read Scripture, Scripture always is presented to two audiences. The first one is those who are in the faith, those who are walking faithfully with the Lord. And it serves as an encouragement for us or it serves as a conviction for us. The second group is someone who's never heard of Jesus or who's seeking and who say that I've heard of Jesus, but I've never really taken the time to know who he is. If you're here this morning and you've never heard of him, or maybe your focus has been elsewhere. Maybe you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. Maybe you've, maybe you've built your foundation on something rather than Jesus. Or maybe fear and circumstances of life and of situations have overwhelmed you. And you have said, I don't trust you anymore, Jesus. I'm going to do my own thing. I want you to know this. If you fall in that second group, if you fall in that second group of people that says that I have been in that place or I am in that place right now, here's a message of encouragement and not just a message of encouragement, but a message of hope is that Jesus never took his eyes off of you just as he never took his eyes off of Peter. Though your walk in Christ may fluctuate, though you may have really great times with the Lord and though you may have really bad times and you're saying, Lord, it's really hard to trust in you right now. Though your walk fluctuates, Jesus does not. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, tomorrow. You see, his mercy extends to you. 
His grace extends to you. His love extends to you. His hand. His hand extends to you. It's not as if like he says, okay, you're not taking it. I'm t- pulling my hand back. No, his hand extends to you and he reaches out and he saves you. His death, his resurrection, his blood has redeemed you and washed you clean from your sin. This is a plead. I, I hope that you hear that this is a plead for if you find yourself or if you have, uh, haven't found uh, a relationship with the Lord, is that I hope you hear my plead that today is the invitation. It's an invitation for you to receive Him. To our church brothers and sisters. If we desire to be a person or people who radiates Christ and who we are, even in the midst of turmoil and change and in the face of the unknown, we must have this foundational movement of walking towards Jesus each and every day. And we must master these steps. May we be a church that pursues that. May we be a church that is moving towards Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, today from your word, we were able to draw these steps of encouragement. These steps that will help us form this foundational movement of walking with you every day in our lives. Lord, as we conclude our time in your word, I ask this. Would your spirit work within us and draw us closer to you? Help us fight fear with, our, with faith in you. Help us form our foundation on your word. Help us stay focused on you. We thank you that even in moments where our eyes may stray and our focus may be off, your focus is not. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving us. We come before you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.